0: All right. Hello and welcome back, everybody. This is Ben Boga, the Chief Growth Officer here and next. We'll come to you with another This Legal Life podcast. If this is the first time that you are joining us, the this Legal Life podcast is all about uh, the relationships within the legal industry. We talk about everything from client relationships, always very important, to colleague relationships, toxic work culture, um, what's driving uh, different um uh, mental health, uh, DEI, all the rest of it. It's really a podcast about legal culture. And today I am very excited to be joined by Colin Levy. Colin is going is going to introduce himself, jump in. But uh, Colin and I have known each other for quite a while now. And you probably know Colin from uh, his postings on LinkedIn. But anyway, Colin, welcome to the This Legal Life podcast. Welcome back.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure
0: to be here. Cool. So we uh, we're going to Colin's known for legal tech. Colin's known for his for his takes on legal tech if you follow him on LinkedIn. I'm sure you've liked one of his posts. Um, that's certainly how I figured out and in, in, in the in that period of time, uh, Colin and I have gotten the chance to sit down on many different uh, aspects of legal tech. But today we are going to be talking about everybody's favorite artificial intelligence in the legal industry. And really, I think we're gonna kind of take a, rather than a broad sort of prospectus view of everything that's going on, I think we're gonna dig in a little bit into um, generative AI, maybe that version, and some of the limitations. And I know Colin's just going to uh, give us a little bit of uh, his thoughts on, uh, on this topic, which are really, really important. But before we get there, Colin, uh, you are the Director of Legal and uh, the evangelist at Malbec. You want to tell us a little bit about Malbec? How long you've been there? Um, what's the uh, what's the product? What's the company doing? And uh,
1: kind of what's your role as well? Absolutely, yeah. So my role here with Malbec uh, is an interesting one. Uh, I am their one and only lawyer, but that's not the only job mm-hmm. that I have. Uh, I also uh, as chief evangelist, if you will. Uh, I assist with uh-huh. marketing and sales efforts, product development efforts, um, basically just talk and write a lot, essentially, uh, about a variety of topics, including um, the space that Malbec is in, which is contract life cycle management. Malbec makes a leading contract management solution uh, that makes contract management uh, simple and intuitive. And I have been with Malbec now for little over a year and it's been a wonderful journey ever since day one. Absolutely.
0: So um, I'd love to have you back because I really, we're going to talk about AI today, but you know, we never talk about, we never talk about the career side of sort of legal specifically around lawyers transitioning into legal tech roles. And that's something you and I are very passionate about and kind of have a Venn diagram overlay. And I think this idea of director of legal and and chief evangelist is very interesting right it's it's really um it's really a role uh that kind of combines marketing sales as well as legal and the important thing here is for for all the lawyers out there listening who are itching uh, to get out what's really and you, you you clarify, you tell me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, what's interesting is that you use the product, but then you also evangelize the product. And that's kind of like the important part in here. Is that is that a kind of a good way of of uh, of, of summarizing and and from a from a lawyer's perspective?
1: Absolutely. I, you know, I, it, yeah. I you know, we use the I use the solution. I talk about it. Um, it definitely has made my life uh, as a lawyer a lot less stressful uh and aggravating um because of not searching (laughs) emails or what have you for you know the latest draft or wondering you know did i send this to this person did this person respond have they reviewed this should they review it you know all that wonderful stuff that comes with uh managing agreements contract contract
0: life cycle oh my god gets just gets everybody up in the morning so if you're a lawyer out there um, let me know in the comments wherever you're listening to this. If you want to hear Colin and I talk like a little bit about legal careers, legal tech careers for lawyers, I went straight into the marketing growth. I love it. You know, I think it's fantastic. Colin's, uh, st- st- I know you had a marketing career as well, but you know, he's uh, he's had a very interesting career. I'd love to talk to you about that. But anyway, not the point of discussion today. Let's go deep into AI and let's kick this off with. There's been a lot of news flying around, but uh, this Allen and Overy uh, release of Harvey, which is their new chat uh, GTP3 based, open AI-based, generative uh, sort of tool. And I don't want to go deep into the to the product per se. I think it but I think it's an interesting um I think it's an interesting vignette in terms of what's happening today with Uh, artificial intelligence and maybe kick us off. And I think it's interesting and give your perspective because it seems that Allen and Overy progressive law firm always kind of been in the forefront really comes out with this big campaign around the fact that Harvey is going to make uh, the lives of lawyers easier, but, and here's the big thing, you know, it's a core differentiator. They're leading with the fact that it's going to be this lawyer, human, um, combination that's really going to lead to better results. Um, a different work product, maybe that you have. I don't know. I just think it's interesting, and it's in, I, in my past memory. I can't think of anything that's been so leading with the technology and actually the marketing, the positioning uh, of a law firm, especially a law firm of, of of that size. So, anyway, that's my hot take on it. I thought it was. What do you think about it?
1: Yeah. So you know, I think that. Alan Elbury has certainly been uh, fairly progressive with their approach to uh, adoption and use of technology. So I think with that understanding, it's not entirely surprising for them to be uh, integrating Harvey, um, which is an interesting name uh, for a uh, generative AI uh, tool. Um, I, I think that really what it says is that lawyers, including those at firms, are realizing that there are work, there are types of work and types of tasks that they don't need to be doing or shouldn't be doing that are better done by automated tools. Uh, And so I think because of this realization, uh, they're also understanding that clients want service to be delivered in a more efficient way and also in a cheaper way. And I think the use of technology uh, certainly is helping um, legal service delivery uh, providers reach that point Uh, at the same time and I know we talked about this a little bit before the podcast began that it's important to understand both the benefits and the risks of these technologies now I for one am very excited very bullish on the benefits to be brought by uh, technologies like Harvey but at the same time have to understand that these tools are only as good only as good as the data that is being given to them because they're all essentially based off of a large amount of data, and that data can perhaps contain hidden biases and also is limited by the fact that it's not all encompassing of every single data point that ever existed in the world. Um, Right. So I think with that understanding, it's important to understand and keep in mind that these tools are they're very good, but we're only at the forefront of what they're truly capable of. And so I think using them with a clear head an understanding of their you know benefits and limitations is important.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that's perfect. So that's a perfect jump off into into kind of the the substantive discussion around the limitations. So I love I love this conversation cuz it's a kind of perfect counterpoint to the hype or the excitement I don't want to say hype is bad it's it's fine to be excited by things and it's good to be it's good to benchmark yourself to the capabilities while still sort of being grounded and I think that's that's where you want to take the the, the conversation today. So why don't we talk about it like what's what are the limitations? you talked a little bit about it the first is it's the database and the data database on which on, on which pools um, on which these models are basically based on which these models are kind of pulling in to, to produce the results. Yeah. What are the limitations? How should we think about it? What does it mean? Assume you know, like we're talking to uh, your average lawyer who's you know smart but not really keeping up on on AI right now in terms of how is the output. How should how should we read it and
1: and and understand it? Maybe maybe it's start there. Sure. So that's it's a, a big question uh, and important. Um, I, think, of <laughs> I think that it's um, important to understand sort of where artificial intelligence in the practice of law kind of is at right now and where it really is at right now in terms of its capabilities is using a lot of data to provide outputs in response to questions or in response to you know a given contract or other piece of information and so really what that means is that artificial intelligence right now is essentially using data to provide responses and so that means it's learning from that data which is what machine learning really is referring to is that it's algorithms that are learning things based off of what is being told kind of like the way a human learns okay. things based off of what it's being told and so with that understanding in mind you know look artificial intelligence has made a lot of headway especially with respect to providing um a high level responsiveness to plain language questions based off of you know it's knowledge base uh, so that's kind of where we where we are right now with with AI. that being said, you know generative Ai, which is what Harvey and other tools like chat are. In that they generate outputs that's really what the generative part of generative ai refers to uh, is powerful because it's able to provide responses quickly and efficiently and create things that are that can be and create things faster than you as a human can create whether it's creating an image whether it's creating a, a document whether it is uh creating a poem or what have you and so that's really exciting and it's really fun and it's uh allowing for people to do their work more efficiently and more productively. Um, At the same time, you know, we're not at the point where AI can make sort of really sophisticated judgments about things because it just doesn't have that capability. So it can't replicate the way a human thinks about something, but it can replicate how a human would perhaps create something that would take a human, hours to do and it can do it in you know a matter of minutes or even seconds yeah okay
0: so that's um that's a that's a really good way to sort of what i picked up on there there was there was a lot what i picked up is you know it's limited by the data source which means that it's output the gener the generative part of it um which is why it's kind of exploded again into the mainstream because it has such a output the generative part of it has such an output end output value, right? It's like you can actually see something out of it. You can actually create an AI painted portrait of yourself based on inputs, which would be six different uh, pictures of yourself, six different selfies. And I think that's why it's captured people's uh, imaginations as of late, um, uh, specifically, because those end outputs uh, have become really Kind of mainstream use cases okay anyway that that is I don't know where I was going with that but the point is 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 that's the generative part and but the, but the limitation is again still based on the data on which it's on which it's um it's given and then I think you said something really important that I think is is interesting which is the fact that you know it really can't solve complex novel problems and that's maybe the first kind of real core limitation of it do you want to say a, a little bit more about what that means in terms of it really can't functionally go through. Is that what we're supposed to understand it? It really can't sort of manipulate and kind of forecast out or it can't kind of solve novel problems that the data hasn't really sort of um, that the data is not there to kind of support some novel situations is. Can you say a little bit more about that? Is that am I hearing it correct in that in that way?
1: Sure, so really, I think what you know, you're you're right. The you know, generative AI is capable of creating things based off of what it's given. But what I was kind of alluding to is that, you know, AI is not at the point now. It will reach this point in the future, but certainly not now uh, in terms of evaluating, hey, so, you know, we have this problem and, you know, here are all these different factors. You know, what do you think about, you know, going down this road versus this other road? Uh, and then, you know, get an answer and then saying, oh, well, actually, this has happened. So now how do we change our strategy? You know, I, right. I, that, you yes. know that kind of dynamic change in judgment, we are not yet at the point of, of with AI. We also are not at the point of AI kind of thinking emotionally about things. Because I think the thing um, to keep in mind about people, is, including in law, and this is something I think lawyers are often needing to be reminded of is that we are uh, emotional beings. We think with our emotions. We may not necessarily always want to admit that we are but we do it. And so uh, AI is not emotional. It has no emotions. Um uh, will have emotions at some point? Sure. Absolutely. I you know, we'll reach that point, but I don't know when that point will be. Um uh, so, yeah. you know, for to be able to kind of distinguish between two different alternatives and you know, suggest one or the other. You know, it's only using that through one lens, which is data. It's not using it through another lens, such as the human impact of making that decision, which may lead to making a call that you know, based off the data, may make no sense, but you do it because emotionally it makes more sense. And so we're not yeah. really at that point yet. And so, well, AI is very exciting and very cool. You know, it, it, the human consciousness element doesn't exist. So we can't expect AI to somehow think the way we think about things. And that sometimes can be helpful, but it sometimes can be harmful. And so I think to understand that is really critical when it comes to thinking about how best to apply AI in its current state to future work. Yes.
0: Okay. So we're going to get into that because I think that's the next pillar, which is lawyers in consideration of how to use these technologies in the context of their work. We're going to get get there. I just want to talk about one more thing in terms of the limitations, which I think is important. That comes up a lot, which is the word bias and sort of the biases that are harbored within the context of the data sets, uh, within the context of the models. Do you want to talk a little bit about biases? Yeah, what? What are we thinking of, what's the what's the thinking today in twenty twenty three whenever it comes to bias that are sort of put into the models? so that's how the output comes out or just even to the data sets per se. um you know, baking those biases that we well whatever, you know the, the, there's biases in the in the data nevertheless. So talk a little bit about biases. Today. I know that's a last sort of limitation on on kind of the outputs.
1: Right. And it's, and it's a significant one because bias can show up in a variety yes. of ways. Um, first of all, humans themselves uh, have inherent biases they may or may not be aware of. And that then can in turn flavor and influence the data you provide to a algorithm to train on. And so right. what happens is you uh, an inherent bias you have gets into the data and then the algorithm that then is created has this inherent bias you're not aware of because it's one that you have and you just don't know about it. So that's one thing. The other bias, other type of way bias can come up is simply through the fact that a, you know, for example, a generative AI tool has a limited data set and that limitation can lead to being biased because it only has a certain amount of information about a certain subject. And so because it doesn't know Uh everything of the universe about that subject, it can only provide outputs based off of what it knows which can be limited and so that's something to be aware of as well and then the other part of it I think the last area of bias is the fact that you know we may have certain goals in mind with respect to the data we provide for an algorithm and those goals may sound reasonable at first but they may not be ultimately and that can lead to a bias because we intentionally wanted a certain type of output, but ultimately they may not be the output that's most beneficial for us. So that's another thing that's important to keep in mind. Um, and you know, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I do know and I'm well aware of the fact that bias is everywhere because as human beings, we need to be able to categorize how we see the world because of all the information and all the inputs that we're given on any given day. And because of this inherent need to categorize. Our brains take shortcuts when it comes to making sense of the world. And those shortcuts often are come up as biases because we just simply are trying to make sense of so much information coming at us. And oftentimes we may not be aware of it, um, but we need to be. Sure. Sure. Yes. And I would extend that last
0: point because that's a very indivi- that that's individualized, and I would say that, of course, aggregated, that turns into cultural biases. And, you know, I think everybody understands probably what we're talking about, but, you know, those cultural biases, especially because the models are being trained on historical data, those cultural biases are sort of layered through implicitly through all of this historical data um, that has been databased and, you know, it's in in some sense um, of course o- over indexing this this claim that I'm about to say it's you're in some ways reaffirming or rarefying sort of the past based on the fact that that's that's how those models that's the output the output is going to basically be, be based on the input and that's again that, it, it, Jesse even in the limited in the very limited s- scope of of the law, of course do those you know does do, do those opinions do, does that? Um, do those opinions, does that work product, does that generative output um really reflect where we would want to be going, where the law would want to be going? You know, it's a big obviously it's a big question and um something really to tackle in. But again, my only point was that there's also a cultural bias, a cultural, let's even a cultural legal bias that's kind of implicit in that. Would you agree with that as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh there's, yeah. you know, cultural bias is is something that's very uh, it's tricky to overcome, but it's very important to be be aware of um, because it Man. influences, you know, it's one of many ways in which we see the world and influences that perspective. Totally.
0: Okay, so let's get into the second pillar, being mindful of your time, you're a busy guy. Um, so let's go into the considerations that lawyers should have whenever it comes to relying on these on these AI tools. You could take this in so many different ways. You could pick up from the fact of just being aware of the limitations. But yeah, what what do you think? Like, you know, you're 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 on a podium, you're giving, you're giving a um, you're speaking at the ABA or something else, and you're a room full of lawyers, you know, how do you think about, okay, you come here, you're gonna do it, you're gonna use this, you know, what are the considerations? What do you have to hold in your mind whenever it comes
1: to using these tools? Yeah, so I think, first of all, uh, other than just simply being aware that they're limited, I think it's understanding and thinking about what it is that your goal is when it comes to using these tools. You know, what are are you trying to achieve? And can that be achieved using this tool or does it make sense to be achieved using some other tool or solution? And what I mean by that is, you know, do you, is your task very uh, specific? In scope, and is it data based? In other words, you know, uh-huh. are you trying to analyze, uh-huh. say a set of documents? Are you supposed to, you know, analyze a contract, or are you supposed to kind of review something and look for risks or what have you? That those types of tasks, you know, the AI tools are really good at. But if it's something yep. that's a, way more subjective and requires some sort of just sort of more emotional intelligence. And sophistication and just human kind of consciousness, then these AI tools probably aren't the best use case um, aren't our best used for that use case, I should say. So yep. you know you really want to think about why, what it is you're doing and why. Uh, and also on top of that, think about you know, is this you know going to provide me with part of what I'm looking for, all of what I'm looking for, uh, or some perhaps somewhere in between you know because oftentimes these tools may provide an incomplete answer in other words they'll give you some of what you need but not everything so you know the danger there is expecting something to provide you with everything you need when oftentimes that may not be the case and i often think that when it comes to using these tools they're good for sort of starting out but they often don't provide you with everything you may need and if you think it's going to provide you with everything you may need um, i would suggest you know asking yourself if that truly is going to be the case. Yeah, Um, really good,
0: really good advice whenever it comes to uh, thinking about it. One, being aware of the limitations, fantastic. The second thing you said is, okay, what kind of tasks? What kind of tasks am I trying to do? Um, And that really informs the third, which is, okay, based on the type of tasks that I'm doing, um, it would seem that it can either be a starting point um, or kind of... Just a just a point to sort of to to sort of start from. I think there's some nuance there with the with the poetic language that I that I just used. Can you? That's what I heard, and I I, I think those are great. Can you say more about and just to go just a little layer deep? You know, what do we what do we think about when we think about rote data driven tasks that AI is a great application from? Is there any sort of examples, really hard examples that you can sort of point to that say, okay, from here, let's give it a confidence level of about 60, 70, 80 percent in terms of what's kind of like the output? Um, and then maybe give an example of gee, use this as a as a point to consider in the context of a much a much larger uh, sort of work product. Does my does my question make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with something that I would have a high level of confidence in uh, when it comes to using an AI tool. So, for example, if you're looking at, you know, an NDA or a contract and making sure it has certain provisions in it or it has certain language in it, that perfect use case for for this type of tool. And I would have high confidence in it being able to achieve that, you know, that desired um, output, if you will. Uh, now, if you're looking for to perhaps you know draft an agreement, an entire agreement exactly as you need it, or you're looking for to write you know the perfect blog post um, or uh-huh. some you know other piece of writing, I think that that would have probably a confidence level of like 60, 50 to sixty percent, mainly because. Everyone has their own writing style. Everyone has sort of the level of detail that they're looking for in that type of task. And AI isn't really good at distinguishing about what level of detail is required. It's good at providing kind of a basic level. But in terms of going beyond that basic level, you know, that really is kind of a tricky thing because it depends, again, on how much information it has to use to generate whatever it is you're looking for. Correct. Correct. Which is sort of a reason if
0: anybody, if anybody has used OpenAI or any other generative sort of text-based tool and asked it to, to your point, write a social media post, it it always comes back. Everybody says the same thing, which is like it's kind of bland, right? And of course, it's kind of bland because it's seriously sort of like an average of everything, right? And then, and then, of course humans being human, you put a value judgment based on your entire life experience looking at this, and you know, at the end of the day, like, th- that that's kind of what you're gonna take away from it, right, it comes off bland, and you're going to have to edit it, and if you're a marketer, you're going to come out and say, well, I gotta write something specific to my audience, and there, and there it is, that's kind of where this sort of leads off from. But, to your point, hopefully what I just said was clear, I think it was, but to your point, you know, contrast what I just said about a social media post. Um, contrast that to something like just check if if these words are included in this NDA in some sort of permutation based on the millions of NDAs that have been written all before. The truth is that even even for lawyers, there's only so many ways that you can write something like an indemnification clause, and to ask. Uh, an AI who has been trained on thousands upon millions of indemnification clause based on public data you know you're probably going to be pretty confident that it's going to find that indemnification clause regardless of kind of like the style but maybe what it won't be able to do is write a very flery, very original indemnification clause for a particular case that was just a jumble of words but I'm sure you got what I was saying is that kind of another way of saying exactly what you just said
1: it is. Now, I would just add a small little caveat to that, which is that, you know, lawyers being lawyers, uh, everyone has their own way of drafting sort provisions. So, you know, there's probably a likelihood of, you know, whatever you're being provided with from the generative AI tool that you're going to want to tweak it uh-huh. just because you happen to like one way of putting it versus another. Uh, but no need to go down that rabbit hole, at least not on this podcast episode.
0: Totally. Oh Okay, so let's end with some fun futurology uh, and let's get into, you pay attention to this stuff, you know what, let's assume you're just, you know, you're just, you you know what it is, what, what is, what's interesting today? What's interesting today? What's interesting tomorrow? You know, what, 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 what do you read in blogs? What do you read in posts? What do you read, in, what do you theorize in your own, in your own head that you think is, Kind of just yes, interesting interesting applications interesting use cases interesting dissections of human and ai give us some give us some give, some, give us some future takes here
1: <laughs> i always laugh when i hear these questions because i'm usually always wrong about them uh, when i give my answers. exactly but but uh i would i would say a couple things one uh i think that you know one thing i'm reasonably confident about in terms of future use and potential is The use of data in the practice of law. I think we're only at the forefront of that uh, use case, uh, especially when it comes to litigation analytics, which happens to be a personal favorite of mine. Even though, in a funny twist, I want nothing to do with litigation and nothing to do with courtrooms. Uh, That's why I became a transactional lawyer. But I actually think litigation. I was gonna
0: say. I was gonna say. Yeah. I was going from a transactional lawyer. This is surprising, but I get I get your point. Yeah, I do. And yeah, do it's just it's this? such a
1: fun, exciting area. So I think that's number one. Yeah, that's the true. other number two is I think we're going to continue to see a platformization of tools. Meaning that we're going to see more and more platforms that people sign into and have access to a whole suite of tools through which they can operate. Uh, I think sort of the. 15 different tools that you all have to kind of switch back and forth between I don't think we're going to see much more of that because people just don't want that they want everything seamless working together together in a collaborative way, and that means having one point of entry into that sort of ecosystem of tools.
0: Mm, Okay, beautiful so we'll. I don't think you're that wrong on the platformization. I really think that there's such a gravitational attractor toward that point. You know, this kind of suite of tools that kind of complement each other. It's just the point solution thing. It's just, it's not viable. It's great for innovation. Let many mushrooms sprout, all the rest of it. But, you know, eventually it has to be sort of consolidated into something like a, well, yeah, like a platform, all the rest of it. Okay. I want to end with some legal tech word association so when I say peanut butter you say jelly so let's uh we're gonna go we're gonna go through 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 five five words right now a little fun you ready you ready for this always ready okay ready okay when I say AI you say exciting okay whenever I say legal tech you say my passion Whenever I say lawyers, you say?
1: Redefined.
0: Okay, last two. Whenever I say, um, <laughs> sorry, whenever I say CLM, you say? Always something new. And finally, whenever I say legal career, you say? Rowing. Nice. Okay. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here. We're one minute ahead. Colin Levy, it was a pleasure to speak with you. Always. Of course, we got to do this earlier. Last time we spoke, 2021, uh, not 2001, 2021. Uh, great year. Feels like 100,000 years ago, but uh, I had a lot of fun. Any any parting words you want to let everybody
1: with? Uh, well, I would say a couple things. Of course, uh, if you're looking into... Uh, contract management solutions, check out Malbec. Of course, that's Malbec with a a K. Uh, Secondly, if you're looking to learn more about the legal tech ecosystem, uh, I can be found on LinkedIn under my name, Colin Levy, or on Twitter at clevy underscore law. Hope to uh, see you on either platform.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're going to put all of that in the show notes. It's it's, uh, it's fantastic, but yeah, Colin, always good to get down, talk some legal stuff with you. Um, yeah, really exciting. I think um, I think uh, I think whenever whenever you ask me, Colin Levy, I always think LinkedIn Legal Tech. So there we go. That was that was my word association. But as usual, I think it's uh it's uh it's been great to, uh, to chat. Next time you're in Florida, uh, hit me up definitely. And to everybody else, thanks so much for joining us on the this Legal Life podcast. Today we talked about the intersection of lawyers, AI. And really, if we're being honest, the relationship between artificial intelligence, uh, lawyers, and how it's kind of changing the legal industry culture—if we could go go so far to say that—thanks, everybody. We'll be back uh, very soon. Check out the rest of our episodes. And thanks again, Colin Levy. Great. Talk. Thanks very
1: much.